Hello, 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 good morning, good morning, how is everyone doing this morning? Good, besides the sun being in existence still, and our blinds apparently not being very blindy. Uh, good morning, good morning. My name is Derek DeHaan. For those of you who do not know me, um, my wife, Jillian, back there. Hi. She loves me. Um, her and I have the opportunity to lead a home group here at GCF. Uh, we both have the opportunity to lead a discipleship group. Uh, and I, along with Mr. Lundberg and Mr. Noah Raver in the back, and then Mr. James Townley, are pastoral interns here at GCF. Um, and so this morning, you guys have the pleasure or displeasure of getting to uh, spend some time with me. We'll see how this goes, huh? Um, this morning, I hope you are um, in a bright and cheery mood. Who's in a really good mood this morning? Good, good, good. Noah is always in a good mood. Um, we, we have the pleasure of talking about the very light, really just easy topic of sin, the doctrine of sin. So this is going to be, if you're already in a good mood, you're going to be in a better mood. No, we do have the opportunity to talk about the doctrine of sin this morning. Uh, it is obviously can feel a little bit weightier. Um, and so uh, buckle in for that. I don't have notes. I've had a lot of people ask me for notes. I'm very sorry. If you read the notes that I'm going to use, it would not be helpful for you or maybe even me. Um, so, but let's get started on sin. What does... And I, I want you guys to do me a favor. Take off of your, take off your, your, your Christian thinking cap for a moment, and think about what does the world think about sin. What does our culture in the world think? The world thinks it's Christians judging them. Yeah. There's no absolutes. There's no right or wrongs. Yep. Oh, yeah. It's, it's only a sin if, if you do it to me, not necessarily if I do it to you. Yeah. Yeah. What else? What else is the world? What's the world think about sin? There has to be a victim. Fun, right? Yeah. I'm on the highway to hell, right? Yeah, there's, yeah, right? Mm -hmm. What's that? Sure, yeah. Sin City, yeah. Sin City, Las Vegas. I guess we've got a whole, a whole city dedicated to it, right? Yeah. The victim one is interesting, right? Because... When, when the world says that for sin to happen, there has to be a victim, what's it assuming? Mm-hmm. Yep. Anything else come to mind? 
One more time. What was that? Oh. Ooh. Joel Osteen calls sins oopsies. That's nice. That feels good. I should have led with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so how many of you guys read uh, or have read The Grapes of Wrath by John Steinbeck? Yeah, I'm sure a good handful of us. Uh, there's a line in there that there ain't no sin and there ain't no virtue. There's just stuff people do. Which I think on some level is how most of the world, despite whether or not they have an actual opinion about sin, that's how most of the world functions, right? Most of the culture around us, especially our postmodern culture where I think somebody said it, tr truth is whatever you make it, so things are relative, right? There, there ain't no sin, there ain't no virtue, there's just stuff people do. Right? Which I actually added because I appreciate that view. For the world, that's probably a pretty fair assessment, right? I mean, if we want to talk about worldview, if we want to talk about foundation from a strictly Darwinian evolutionary standpoint, what grounds is there to stand on for sin? Right? So, um, uh, another, another uh, line about sin I thought was interesting that I'm going to ascribe to the world uh, and their view of sin. How many of you are familiar with Richard Rohr? Does that name mean anything? Got our pastor's hand up in the back. And I got to tell you, there's a small part of me that's really happy about that. <laughs> uh, Richard Rohr is a Franciscan priest um, and is now what I think some would describe as a Christian mythic. Uh, essentially, he is uh, a universalist. Uh, and so he says that sin is what happens whenever we refuse to stop growing. Yeah, that's a great response. Sin is what happens when we refuse to keep growing. What, a, what an interesting thought, right? That, that sin only happens, sin only exists when we decide not to do something. Just, just as peculiar. So, And Richard Rohr, again, happy that a lot of you don't know who he is because don't think he's somebody you really want to spend a lot of time reading. Uh, he's actually pretty influential. Uh, he is uh, one of the uh, spiritual advisors, using a lot of air quotes there, for Oprah Winfrey. And, and everyone's, uh, people are starting to connect the dots now. <laughs> okay, 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 right? So, but so these are some of the things that I mean, these are the things the world thinks about when they think about sin or when they talk about sin. Um, there's a book in the back that I'm going to reference, or a reference a couple times. Yeah, it's in the back. And by the back, I, I mean the bookstore. That's the back now. Um, it is by Paul Tripp. It's called Do You Believe? It is 
very accessible and just full of great content. In that, Paul Tripp says, sin is the ultimate bomb, leaving a trail of destruction in its path. Sin is the ultimate pandemic, infecting everyone, leaving everyone sick. Sin is the ultimate curse, sentencing everyone to death. Sin is the ultimate deceit, telling you endless lies and making promises it can't keep. Sin is the ultimate interruption. Changing the human story forever. I hope we all agree with that, right? It's a little different than what the world thinks, right? <laughs> yeah, a little bit of contrast there. I am going to take a break. And before we move on and actually start jumping into the topic, I am going to take a moment to pray. You guys all okay with that? Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for your grace and your mercy. Uh, thank you for uh, the pri privileges that you've given us uh, to be able to be here today, uh, to study your word freely, to come and uh, worship uh, as a community and a congregation, as one voice bringing praise to you. Uh, Father, as we uh, deal with the topic of sin, Lord, I ask that you would um, just continue to be gracious and merciful to us. Open our minds and our understanding. Help us to um, walk away with a better understanding of, of your purposes, of your will for us, uh, Father, and walk away more equipped to uh, bring you glory. Uh, we pray all this in the power of Jesus' name to his glory. Amen. So, as we start to talk about sin, we probably should define it. That seem like a good idea? Good. We'll do that in a second. First, let's talk about what sin isn't. What isn't sin? When you think about sin, what isn't sin? Is that a weird question? It's kind of intended to be. Good. What isn't sin? So some people might say sin is merely missing the mark. Like an like a archer who shoots a bow and doesn't hit the bullseye. Sin is not just merely missing the mark. Sin is also not just a behavioral issue, right? Sin is not a matter of fixing bad behavior. There's more to sin than just behavior. Getting a little, little weightier here. Sin is some, isn't something that we can escape. So how many of you are familiar with uh, Kenneth Copeland or Todd White? Probably. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, I thought I might get some more on that. Oprah Richard Rohr. Uh, <laughs> you guys knew Oprah, though. So, um, so Kenneth Copeland and Todd White are uh, leaders in the pretty extreme charismatic word of faith movements uh, and have both made claims that they can choose not to sin anymore. That they're, they're just done. They're, they're over that. Yeah. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> um, so, so sin 
is not something that we can just escape. Sin is also not just a matter of will. This goes back a little bit to the behavior, right? How many of you are familiar with a thing called Pelagianism? A couple hands, a couple hands. Who would like to tell us what Pelagianism is very briefly? Anybody want to take a shot? Yep, Pelagius. Yeah. So Pelagius said that essentially, on a very basic, basic level, that sin does not affect human nature. So I know that as we are going to jump into things, we would probably all say that we under, have a belief that our nature is impacted by sin. Pelagius would say that your nature is not impacted by sin, and that ultimately it's a matter of free will, and that you can will to not sin. Orthodox would say, orthodoxy would say that sin is not just a matter of will. It's going to impact our nature. So those are some things sin is not. Does anybody else have anything that comes to mind when they think about what sin is not? So sin is, not, sin is not something for us to define, right? Which is going to get really awkward in a second <laughs> when we define it. <laughs> no, it won't be bad. Don't worry. We're going to use the Bible. Is, is there anything else you think about when you think of what sin is not? It's not satisfactory. Yeah, so did everyone hear that? Yeah, okay, good. Well done, thank you. So sin is not weakness. Okay. Anybody else? Not without consequences. We would say that. <laughs> right. Not without consequences. It's not required. wasn't required. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Consequences. That's a that's an interesting one too because our world would like to say that I mean, there are no consequences, right? Right there that goes back to that very first or that that uh, John Steinbeck, right? There's no sin, there's no virtue, there's just stuff people do, right? Yeah. Okay, so we now we know what sin is not. Oh yeah. No, come on, let's go. It's great. Hmm, not external, internal. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, did everybody hear that? Sin is not something that uh, you say that Satan does around us, right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sin is, sin is not something that Satan does to us. That's what you said, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, then, what is sin? Breaking God's law? Anything that does not glorify God? Yeah. What's that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, Jesus? No, that's not right here? Okay. <laughs> Choosing to do your will instead of God's. Falling short of his standard. Yep. Our nature since the fall, okay. Separation from God, yep. Very good, thank you all. Uh, so, for us today, we are going to, so sin, sin is obviously a big topic, right? There's a lot of directions that we can go. There's a lot of avenues that we can that we can take. I think my hope today is that when we walk away, we have a solid understanding of what is sin and how did it get here and how is it impacting us. And then from there, we're going to talk a little bit about what now. So our simple definition that we're going to walk away with is that sin is rebellion against God. Simple definition. Three words. If you walk away from here remembering one thing, don't remember Richard Rohr. Remember that sin is rebellion against God. Which, all of the answers that were given essentially fall under these three words. Sin is rebellion against God. It's wanting, it's breaking God's law. It's being separated from God. It's not bringing glory to God, right? So sin is rebellion against God. In the Bible, you guys all have a Bible, right? We have those here? Yeah, good. There's a lot of terms that are going to reference or relate to sin. What are some of those things you think about? When you read the Bible, what are the words that you think about when you think about sin in Scripture? What do we see? Disobedience. Adultery. Greed. Hardened. Hardness. Yeah. selfishness. So I'm going to think a little bigger picture. Things like lawlessness, trespasses, transgressions, disobedience. So when we're thinking about sin, sin is rebellion against God. And as we read our Bible, there's going to be a lot of different ways we see that show up. None of the things that were said were wrong necessarily. 
uh, unrighteousness, unholiness, wickedness. We have a very handy little tool. It's over here. It's over here now. The Westminster Confession of Faith and the Westminster Larger and Shorter Catechism. Have any of you seen this before? They don't all look like this, but you know what those are, right? If you don't have one, they are phenomenal little like opportunities for devotional. If you get the one with the proof text like we have in the back, so recommendation, along with the Paul Tripp book, um, is going to be the Westminster Confession of Faith and Catechisms. Um, so in the Westminster Catechism, the shorter question number 14, they answer the question for us. A bunch of really smart old guys answered the question for us. It was super generous of them. Said, what is sin? Sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. And here is where participation is going to continue. Do you guys remember how many of you guys like grew up around the church and grew up in church and did Awana and all those things? I'm actually happy that there was not as many hands that went up as I thought there would be. I don't know why that makes me happy. Do you guys know what a sword drill is? Yeah? Oh, I got some I got some nods on that though. You guys remember sword drills? We're gonna go through a ton of scripture. So you guys get to participate and do a sword drill all morning. And we're just gonna find all the scriptures. So can I have somebody turn to Leviticus 517? And then somebody else turned to James 14, or sorry, nope, that's not a thing. There's only a few chapters there. There are not 14. James 4, 17, that'll be easier to find. Sam's got that, thank you. And then 1 John 3, 4. Who wants that? 1 John 3, 4, thank you. Who's got Leviticus? Go for it. 517. That was Leviticus? 517? Yeah. got James. First John 3, 4. Sin is lawlessness. Rebellion against God. I got a question for somebody. Where did sin come from? Yeah. Enter the world. What was that? our heart. 
curse? Is that what I heard back there? Let me, see, let me get somebody to go to Deuteronomy 32.4. And then I'm going to go to say, I'm going to read James 1.3. Because one thing we need to be sure we know is where sin did not come from. Just like we want to talk about what sin is not, we definitely need to know where sin did not come from. And sin did not come from God. Who's got Deuteronomy 32.4? Yep, go for it. James 1.13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. So the first thing we need to make sure we know is that sin entered the world, but it is not from God. So where is it from? Satan, the law, our own evil desires within us, yep. We're going to read, somebody go to Genesis 3, 13, and then 2 Corinthians eleven three. As we talk about sin today, we are going to walk through the Westminster Confession, because I think that is going to be one of the easiest, most concise ways to define sin and talk through what's going on here. So, in the confession, the first point regarding sin, our first parents, being seduced by the subtlety and temptation of Satan, sinned and eating the forbidden fruit. This, their sin, God was pleased, according to his wise and holy counsel, to permit having purposed to order it to his own glory. Who's got Genesis 3.13? Anybody? Yeah. Uh, 2 Corinthians 11.3. So, sin entered the world through Satan by way of Eve giving in temptation, right? So, something I think is vitally important, though, is that who has been here for the first, like, three or four uh, Sunday schools? Great. Have we talked a lot about who God is? And why he does what he does? Why? Why does God do what he does? <laughs> I love how eager everybody was. <laughs> it was three at once. <laughs> One at a time. First pleasure. For his glory. Was there another one? Because he's sovereign. Right? So God and his sovereignty... 
This, their sin, God was pleased, according to his wise and holy counsel, to permit, having purposed to order it to his own glory. It might be really easy for us to point the finger back at God, right? He's sovereign. We've talked about that. We spent two weeks talking about God, and we talked a lot about his sovereignty, right? So when we look at sin and we think back to that, that definition that, that Paul Tripp or that, that diagnosis or explanation, sin is the ultimate bomb, leaving a trail of destruction in its path. Sin is the ultimate pandemic, infecting everyone, leaving everyone sick. The ultimate curse, the ultimate deceit, the ultimate interruption, changing the human story forever. We have to understand, it's vital to understand that when we look at sin, and why it's in our world, and why we see the sin around us, it's terrible. It really is. But we have to understand and trust God that in his sovereignty, and his wise and holy counsel, he permitted that sin and purposed it to order it to his own glory. So we're going to start, let's move on, and we're going to talk more about what actually happened. So sin entered the world by Satan deceiving Eve, and what did that look like? Can I get somebody to go to Genesis 3, 6 through 8? And then Genesis 2, 17. I'll take in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. So what happened was, in Genesis, what did God tell Adam and Eve to do? Be fruitful, multiply. Okay, what else? Anything else? Come on, you guys know this. This is, this is, what's that? Have dominion, yeah. Yep. Be fruitful, multiply. Have dominion. Eat and enjoy my creation. And then what was the last part? But then don't eat of this one. Right? So this is sort of the beginning of some, some covenant stuff, right? There's some rules going on. God has said, do this, and then don't do this. And then sadly, what happened? <laughs> they did that. Which was... Rebellion against God. Who's got Genesis? We got Genesis 13, or sorry, 3.13. Yep, 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 I scrolled. See, I told you guys, you don't even want my notes. I don't even want my notes. <laughs> Who's got that? Yeah, 
Genesis 2.17. Ephesians 2, 1-3. Anyone got that? If not, I got it. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So point number two, the confession under sin. By this sin, they fell, Adam and Eve, from their original righteousness and communion with God, and so became dead in sin, wholly defiled in all the faculties and parts of soul and body. Other verses that go along here are Genesis 6, 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? That one's powerful to me, I think, right now when I think about our culture, right? With this culture that's so individualistic and says, no, just do what makes you happy, what makes you feel good, right? What makes you feel good? Just, just Isaac, just follow your heart, man. Just follow your heart, right? But what does the Bible say about our heart? It's deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Usually not even ourselves. All the time, not ourselves, right? So by this sin, they fell from the original their original righteousness and communion with God, and so became dead in sin and wholly defiled in all faculties and parts of soul and body. There is a very important, uh, there's a very important part of a doctrine in the Reformed faith. What's something the Reformed people love to talk about? Total depravity, right? So, how many of you have heard the term total depravity before? Okay, good. Pretty much everybody here. So Jeff, Jeff left when I asked that question. He must have been worried. <laughs> um, so this is, this is a part of where we see total depravity played out, right? In Scripture, this sin, they were wholly defiled in all their faculties and parts of soul and body. This goes... Uh, back also to, became dead in sins, right? So we have, we talked about that Pelagian view earlier that this isn't, this isn't about our nature or who we are. Sin is just something we can will to not do or to do, right? So this is saying very opposite of that, that because of this sin, Adam and Eve became dead in their trespasses and wholly defiled in all the faculties and parts of soul and body. And you might be thinking, Derek, I'm not Adam. I'm not Eve. What's that have to do with me? Who's thinking that? Nobody? Another good one. Right? So what, what does that have to do with us? It has everything to do with us, right? Can somebody turn to Acts 17.26? And then a psalm 
51.5, holy smokes, it is 9.30. Who even does time? Um, so the third point in the confession here is that they, being the root of mankind, the guilt of this sin was imputed, and the same death and sin and corrupted nature conveyed to all their posterity, descending from them by original generation. It's as easy as that, guys. <laughs> it's, just, it's just as easy as that. Who's got Acts 17.26? Jack? I'm going to read Romans 5, verses 12, and then 15 through 19. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin, for the judgment following one trans, uh, trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass death reigned through the one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. And then um, Psalm 51.5, did I ask somebody for that one? Yeah? Yep, so that's David speaking, saying, I was made in sin, right? Essentially, right? I came out of the womb, messed up. That's, that's the Derek translation. Don't, don't tell anybody about that. So along with that, I'm going to read one more time. They being the root of mankind, which we saw through Acts and Romans, and then the implications through David. They being the root of mankind, the guilt of this sin was imputed. The same death and sin and corrupted nature conveyed to all their posterity, descending from them by original generation. The, uh, the Westminster Confession. Yep, that's point number three. Um, and then, just so we're all on the same page, when Adam had lived for 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness. So Adam had kids. They didn't just, more people didn't just pop up. That's the bloodline. We all knew that, but thought I'd read it just for, just so we're all on the same page, right? We all know Adam had kids. You guys are great. That's true. Well, Jack, it's 2022, man. You got to be careful with that. Eve had the children. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Is this being recorded? Can we stop that? Church discipline coming. Yeah, we should move on, huh? We're going to move on to the fourth point in the confession. Because you might be asking yourself, Really? Really me? Really me? Yeah, really us. 
right? From the original corruption, point number four, from this original corruption, whereby we are utterly indisposed, disabled, and made opposite to all good and wholly inclined to all evil, do precede all actual transgressions. Can somebody go to Romans 8, 7? Matthew fifteen nineteen. So what we talked about a moment ago, right? So from this, I uh, just read that from this original corruption, right? So what we talked about a moment ago with Adam and Eve sinning, right? That's what we would call in Christian orthodoxy as original sin. Have we all heard that term before? Original sin. So, now we're moving on, though, that this is actually about us. It wasn't just Adam and Eve who sinned, but we also have sinned, and that's what we're going to call actual sin, which is that last line here, from this original corruption, whereby we are utterly indisposed, disabled, and made opposite to all good, and wholly inclined to all evil, do precede all actual transgressions. Who's got Romans 8, 7? And then Colossians 1.21, and you who were once alienated, hostile in mind, were doing evil deeds. Who's got Matthew 15.19? So the point is, as we move on from original sin, it might be easy to say, well, well, Adam and Eve sinned. So is it really my fault? Is it my fault if Adam and Eve are the ones that sinned? Can I still be held responsible? Should I still be held responsible? I heard a, I heard a yes in some head nods. What was that? <laughs> if they didn't, we would have. And I know myself well, probably faster. Right? So, from this original corruption... Adam and Eve, we are utterly indisposed, disabled, and made opposite of all good. And from that does proceed all actual transgressions. So we too are actually sinning against God, right? It is not just the sin of Adam and Eve. We too are held accountable. Just like David said, he was born in iniquity, right? We too, like David, we're not better than David, are also born into iniquity, and in that, are actually transgressing ourselves. Who feels really, really just full of hope right now? <laughs> That's because you're looking forward. <laughs> you turned the page already. <laughs> yeah. Right? Doesn't feel good, does it? Who in here is like, dude, I thought I was saved. Because that's how I felt half the time I was doing the study. I was like, man, I feel like garbage. I thought I was saved. And don't worry. I mean, that between you and God, I'm assuming he knows you are, right? I'm not going to answer that. Um, but as we move on 
we have to see that uh, this corrupt nature, even, even as believers, this corrupt nature is still present. And can somebody go to Proverbs 20, verse 9, and then 1 John 1, 8? Point number five in the confession says, this corruption of nature during this life does remain in those that are regenerated. And although it be through Christ pardoned and mortified, yet both itself and all the motions thereof are truly and properly sin. Proverbs 29, he's got it. Yep. And then who had the first John? Anybody? read verse 10 too. Yeah. Yeah. Galatians 5, 17 says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For those, uh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Right? I mean, we even see Paul talk about he does the things he doesn't want to do. Right? I mean, if Paul struggled with it, no offense, <laughs> you guys struggle with it too. So do I, so do I, right? So, so even though we are saved, even though God in his graciousness has brought us out of death and into life, that corrupt nature during this life, we do still have to deal with. And I have five minutes. Okay, so now what? So we know that sin was brought into the world. We know that Adam and Eve fell into sin, original sin, right? Went from righteousness and communing with God to being unrighteous and having enmity with God, right? Being separated from God. We, as the him being our representation, are also have a nature of sin, and even though we are saved, still have to deal with that sin. Now what? Now what? Well, is God a God of justice? Yes. Wasn't a trick question. Is God a God of justice? Yes. Yes. Can someone read Romans 2.15, and then can somebody read Romans 3.23, or just recite it if you know it. Point number six, the last point, every sin, both original and actual, being a transgression of the righteous law of God, and contrary unto, thereunto, in its own nature, bring guilt upon the sinner, whereby he is bound over to the wrath of God and the curse of the law, and so made subject to death with all misery, spiritual, temporal, and eternal. Can somebody read Romans 2.15?
somebody had, um, where is that, Galatians 3.10, for all who rely on the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, cursed is everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law and do them. And then Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is the wrath of God because of sin, right? God is going to bring his wrath against sinners because he is a just God. 